Hey, good morning, church family. Welcome back home to BUMC Online, the online campus right here at Broadway. We're excited to get to worship together this morning as we sing and we pray together. JB's going to be with us to continue our message series, All Things New. Now, make sure you've got your candle and a lighter. You're going to need that in just a few minutes with Pastor Adam. And we want to know how you're doing these days. If you've got any prayer requests or celebrations, we'd love to hear about those. And we'd love to get the honor of praying for you and with you. If you've made a decision to follow Christ and come for baptism or would like to take the next step into membership, you can let us know at broadwayunited.org forward slash share, or you can do that on our app, or you can do it right here at bumconline.org by clicking the button at the top part of the page. If you need pastoral care, you can call 843-3942 and dial extension 1110, and they'll connect you to a pastor. Now, I've got a message for all our kids on kids. VBS is coming June the 15th through the 17th right here on BUMCOnline.org. Now talk to your parents, let them know you want to be here with us, and they can get you signed up at broadwayunited.org forward slash VBS. You will not want to miss this. Hey, students, we're continuing to do youth group, and that happens tonight, 4 o'clock on Zoom. So check your email for more details. Also, don't forget, we've got Virtual Pathway tonight, 6 p.m., right here at BUMCOnline.org. Now, let's head down to Pastor Adam and the worship team and worship together. Living faithfully very often means acting courageously. These past few months, we have seen countless examples of faithful courage, whether it be frontline workers or high school and college seniors or community leaders, or medical professionals. And so we begin in worship today giving thanks for those who have shown tremendous faithfulness, sacrifice, and courage. One of those groups is our medical professionals. On the screen, you'll see some of our Broadway medical heroes and first responders. These are people who answer their calling to serve us every day. Many have done so at great personal sacrifice. They have worked grueling shifts, wearing heavy, constrictive, personal protective equipment. They've taken on new responsibilities, created plans, secured supplies, developed protocols, and agonized over ethical dilemmas. Some have risked their lives to serve us. They and their families have been courageous and have sacrificed on our behalf. And so to our medical community and to your families, the people of Broadway want to say thank you. We honor you in God's presence and in the presence of your spiritual family. We are humbled by your example. We see Christ in your service. And we light the Christ candle and in our homes, the candles we have ready to remind us that Christ is with you as you serve and with all of us as we act faithfully and courageously and that he will go with us in the future as we courageously serve in his name. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for those who have served you so faithfully we praise you for their gifts, 
their skills and their hearts. We ask that you would bless them and encourage them. We ask that you would protect them and guide their steps. We pray for healing throughout this community and world. And we hope that our worship today might inspire all of us to act faithfully and courageously in the days ahead. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, church. It is so great to be here with you today. Gosh, I miss seeing your faces. If I close my eyes, I can almost I can almost see your beautiful shining faces in front of me. But but we feel you. We feel your hearts and your spirits with us, and it is such a gift. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. And so, uh, you know, even though things are not okay right now and things are hard and you might be feeling any kind of way right now, I know we're all in different places, but we know one thing is true despite all of that, and that is that God is good. And so we are going to praise him today. We're going to shift the focus from whatever we've got going on up to God, and we're going to do it together. And that's how we're going to get through this. So would you go on and stand up with me, and we're going to sing together, Holy, Holy, Holy. Let's sing.
Amen. One of the beauties of, of having our scripture and knowing that it is with us and steadfast, we, uh, we can call on that and remind ourselves of, of who God is. Uh, Psalms 46 says, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We do not have a God who is away from us, but who is with us. We do not have a church that exists within walls, but it is all over the earth. And in this moment, we call out to our God. We lift up our God. We remember that he has empowered us by his spirit. And we ask his spirit to lead us and guide us.
us in. What a gift to know that we are dearly loved. What a gift to know that we are empowered by your spirit. What a gift to know that you will provide everything that we need. We get to say that. How lucky are we? God, we praise you for remembering who we are and knowing who we are that we are prone to wander, but your goodness wraps around us tight. And we thank you so much for the reminder of this over and over again in our world and, and the people around us. There is goodness, there is light. Jesus, this is your world. So Jesus, pray that you would just continue to open up our eyes, remind us of the hope that we have, inspire us, encourage us and help us to do that one for one another jesus we love you and look forward to the rest of the service jesus move powerfully in and through us your church in your name jesus we pray amen
men, now it's time for our children's moment. So circle up, lean in, and see what we can learn. Peter and John were going to the temple one afternoon to pray when they saw a man who had never been able to walk in his whole life. Each day, the man sat at the temple gate begging people for money. Can you spare any money for a poor man who can't walk? I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I have something even better. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Peter helped the man stand up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. The man began walking, leaping, and praising God. When the people saw this, they were amazed. People of Israel, why are you so surprised? Why are you staring at us as though we did this all by ourselves? God did this so that everyone can know the power of his son, Jesus. Many people believed what Peter and John said, and they decided to become followers of Jesus too. Some Jewish leaders became bothered by Peter and John's teaching. They arrested Peter and John and had them put in jail until morning. The next day, they brought Peter and John to a large group of the men who ruled the whole kingdom. Even the high priest was there. By what power or in whose name did you heal that man? Rulers and elders of our people, are you holding us captive and asking us these questions because we've healed a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me be clear. The powerful name of Jesus healed this man. You crucified Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. Believing in Jesus and following him is the only way to be saved. There is no other way. The rulers were amazed by Peter and John's boldness. They knew Peter and John had been with Jesus. And since everyone could see with their own eyes that the man who couldn't walk was now healed, there was nothing they could do. Still, they tried to find a way to stop Peter and John. Fine, we will let you go. But you aren't allowed to ever speak or teach about Jesus ever again. But Peter and John refused. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? No way. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council tried to scare Peter and John into staying quiet about Jesus, but it didn't work. Finally, they let Peter and John go. They couldn't punish them without making the crowd angry. After all, everyone was praising God for healing a man who had never been able to walk. Hi, friends, and good morning. Welcome to this moment. This isn't necessarily the moment that we would have chosen. We would have maybe chosen differently to be together in person, uh, to share in fellowship and worship together. But this is the moment that we have. And this is the moment that we've had for the past two months and maybe the moment that we'll have for the foreseeable future. Again, not the moment that we would have chosen, but the moment that we have. And I'll be the first to tell you that I think no matter the moment, no matter the moment, God is present, God is active, God is doing something. And yet, we can be real honest about the moment that we're in. That it's not the moment that we would have chosen, but it's the moment that we have. In this particular moment, there, uh, if, if you're like me, uh, maybe, some, uh, maybe some confusion, right? There's competing ideas of what happens next. There's uh, a, a dissonance, a cognitive dissonance in the way forward. If you're like me, maybe you have some competing instincts 
about what is a priority, what, what to protect and uh, what to preserve and what to let go. Uh, really, the only time that I recall feeling exactly like this was uh, the night after my son was born. I was a brand new parent. We were still in the hospital, and uh, my wife was asleep in the bed. I was, of course, asleep or semi-asleep on one of those, you know, weird kind of fold-out couches in the hospital. And as, you know, I think every new parent, like, I really needed to sleep, but couldn't sleep because I, I was trying to stay awake to make sure that my baby boy was, was still breathing. And he sort of, you know, began to cry and uh, cough, and I panicked a little bit. And, and, and so I stood up and, you know, he began to cry a little louder, and I, I recognized that in this moment, there was, there was something that needed to be done. A, a diaper change, or uh, he needed to be burped, or he needed to get one of those, you know, super nasty snot removers that they give you. Uh, but I knew there was something that needed to be done, but I didn't know what. I, I didn't know what my baby boy needed. Even though I was filled with compassion, even though I uh, certainly wanted to help, I didn't, know what, I didn't know what to do. And if I'm 100% honest in the safety of this space, with really nobody. <laughs> I have felt that way often when it comes to parenting. Uh, I, I felt that way a lot when it comes to being a father. And it feels like as soon as I got it figured out, the game changes. Like the Tetris blocks stack up and you got to figure something else out. This happened once um, very clearly. I remember uh, standing in my driveway and looking at my 1997 Chevy Cavalier. Now, let me hit pause here and say that I absolutely loved this car. I loved it. I, I got it my freshman year of college, and it was dripping with nostalgia. I, I took my uh, my girlfriend, my wife-to-be on dates with it, and uh, trying to impress her, I would pretend like it was a manual transmission, so I would have one, my left hand on the steering wheel and my right hand on the gear shifter, which really just, you know, put it in park and drive and neutral, not first, second, and third. And I would, you know, I, I would rest just like this, and, and when we, you know, came to a red light, I would shift it in park, wait for it to turn green, and then shift it in drive, like I, like I was really doing something. Uh, I loved this car. But as I stood there in my driveway, with holding uh, my daughter's car seat in my hand and looking at this tiny Cavalier, I, I really just, like something just snapped. And I could not, I just didn't want to any longer fight with this car seat to shove it somehow, some way into the back seat of this two-door Cavalier. I was done. Because every time I wanted to take her somewhere in her car seat, I had to open up the door as wide as it would get to push the driver's seat forward as far as it would go, to finagle the car seat into the open door, get it just right to sit on the, the little platform that goes in the seat, uh, then to squeeze myself into the back seat, now with the car seat there, um, to find and search for the appropriate seat belts to, to, to strap over her. And then once all of that was set, to figure out a way to get out. And 
once we got to where we were going to do it all over again. And then do it again once we got done with whatever we were doing, wherever we were at. And then to do it all again in reverse when we got home. Frequently, I would arrive at places dripping with sweat, wrestling with this giant car seat. And at that moment, standing in my driveway, all of a sudden I realized that everything that brought us to this particular moment wasn't enough to take us forward. And it, and it wasn't that the past was bad. It wasn't that the cavy was bad. The cavy, I loved the cavy. That's what I called it. I don't think I told you that. The cavalier was my cavy. And uh, I, it, it wasn't that the, the, the cavalier was worthy of disdain. It just wasn't enough to go forward. Life had outgrown the cavy. My family had outgrown the cavy. My, my calling had overextended the capacity of the cavy. And so I stood there recognizing that what brought us to this moment was not sufficient to take us forward. What brought us to this moment, as good as it was, as beautiful as it was, was not enough to take us further. That God's calling had increased in capacity. There are moments like this, there are car seat moments like this, over and over and over again throughout these pages. When God comes to Abraham and makes a promise to him and, and calls him to leave everything he knows to do something new, that's a car seat moment. When, when God comes to Moses in the burning bush and says, I'm going to use you to lead the people out of captivity, that's a car seat moment. Those are moments where, where calling exceeds the current capacity, that God is doing something new, and these men and women are called to join him. But in order to join him, they must leave behind the old. They must untether themselves from the way the world was so that they can embrace the world that God is creating. If we believe that God is active, and we do, then we want to chase him in that activity. We want to, we want to follow him. And following often means letting go of what was. Uh, a famous baseball player once said, you can't steal second with your foot on first. And God, not quite in that way, says that in so many ways throughout scripture. And one of the ways that he encapsulates it, I think the best, is through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40, when uh, he puts it like this, 43, 19. He says this, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you not recognize that capacity is too little for the calling that you now have? See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. We believe that God is always active, that God is always calling us forward. And, and sometimes that, that call to the future, sometimes that forms slowly. 
Sometimes it forms arduously. Sometimes it's, it's a wandering in the desert to recognize what God is doing next. Sometimes it takes time. Uh, and, and sometimes it's forced upon you. Sometimes we choose the future. Sometimes we clearly recognize the calling, but other times we don't. Sometimes that future is forced upon us. Sometimes we have opportunity to prepare for it. We have opportunity to get our ducks in a row, to, to, to ready ourselves for whatever comes next. But sometimes it's a surprise and we have to cope with it rather than prepare for it. Sometimes the new thing, sometimes the way forward is as clear as day. Sometimes it's shrouded in shades of gray. At that moment, when I recognized that the cavalier no longer had the capacity to contain my calling, I knew that, that we needed to do something different. But that knowledge, that knowledge did not answer every single question. How would we pay for a new car? Where would we get a new car? What is a reliable car? Um, would, would we uh, take out a loan for the car? Or, or, or do we have enough money and savings to pay for the car? Sometimes the calling creates questions. And what I love about these pages is that there are so many examples of men and women pursuing calling, even with questions. They themselves are trying to figure out a way to, to fit the car seat into the cavity. They themselves are having car seat moments. And even though they don't have all of the answers, we get to watch them as they step forward, as they move forward into God's call on their life. Now, there are, there are moments in these pages where that doesn't happen. Well, what I love about these pages is they are honest. And so there are moments where folks come to Jesus like the rich young ruler and they say, I want to follow you. Whatever new thing you're doing, Jesus, I want to be a part of that. And then Jesus tells them, he, he describes what's happening. And folks like the rich young ruler they walk away. They walk away. But other times, and these are the times that I want to live into, other times those people follow Jesus. Even when all of their questions aren't answered, even when everything isn't necessarily clear, those people, those men, those women, they follow Jesus. Often the reason that those people who don't follow Jesus choose to not follow Jesus is because they struggle to understand the new because they only have categories of the old. Let me say that one more time. Most of the time when people in these pages struggle to follow God or struggle to follow Jesus or struggle to embrace the Holy Spirit is because God is doing this new thing. And folks are struggling trying to understand it in the context of the old. The old categories don't have the capacity for the new calling. The, the old way of life is too small. It's a backseat. It's too small for the new thing that God is doing. You see this all the time in these pages. Abraham himself understands blessing only in terms of children, specifically sons. So when God comes to him and says, 
you're going to be a great nation. Abraham's first response is, I don't have any kids. Um, the, 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 the Pharisees understand God's presence only as strict adherence to the law. And, and their capacity, their capacity to understand God's calling is diminished because their, their backseat's too small. Their focus is too narrow. Even the disciples struggle with this. They understand when Jesus says that he is here to restore Israel, they understand it only in geographical terms. They don't understand this idea that God's presence will go to the ends of the earth because they want to put this new thing in this tiny back seat. Every time God calls us, there's a temptation to fit this giant calling into a tiny back seat. So many of the conflicts in these pages, so many of the conflicts in our hearts come from people trying to understand the new in terms of the old, trying to embrace the new thing with one foot in the old thing. This happens often in the New Testament. Many of Paul's letters are equipping people to understand the new thing by letting go, of the, letting go of the old thing. In particular, the book of Galatians, folks were struggling with, if God is doing this new thing, do I have to participate in the old things? And Paul's resounding answer is no. This is new. God's spirit is doing something new. And the old categories are just too small. The back seat just doesn't have the capacity for this new calling. And that new calling happens in the story of Acts. At the very beginning of Acts, we pick up Luke's gospel. We pick up this incredible story where God himself in the flesh comes down, shows us how to live, is crucified, dies, is buried, and then resurrected. And upon his resurrection, the Holy Spirit is unleashed. The backseat gets way, way, way bigger. Acts is the story of how the backseat gets bigger, how the calling gets bigger, how the capacity is enhanced. And there's a moment at the very beginning of Acts in chapter 4 where the old ways and the new ways, the old capacity and the new calling come in conflict. And it comes in the persons of Peter and John. Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin like a council that makes decisions for the community. And the council is trying to understand this new calling. And Peter and John are trying to explain to them this new calling, this new thing that is happening. And the Sanhedrin is only understanding it with the capacity of the backseat of a 1997 Chevrolet Cavalier. This is the story, beginning in chapter 4 of Acts. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Peter and John are trying to explain this new thing, this new calling. Verse 2, they... 
the priests and captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. This is the new thing. This is the, this is the new calling that, that is so much bigger than this back seat. Verse 3, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, this is verse 5, the next day the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. These are, these are representatives of the people in the back seat. These are guardians of the back seat. These are the people who created the back seat. And it doesn't make these people evil. It doesn't make these people um, irreprobate. It just makes them incapable of understanding what's happening next. The men gathered, verse 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or name do you do this? And what they're referring to is all kinds of things that Peter and John have been doing. They have been proclaiming the new thing. They have been talking about this new calling. And they have enfleshed this new calling by not only teaching people about Jesus, but by healing people in the name of Jesus. Verse 8. And what I love about verse 8 is it answers the question in the text. Right? If the people are saying, by what power are you doing this? Luke, the author, tells us, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the new calling, filled with the very thing that is too big for the back seat, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a crippled man and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, here's the new thing, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is, and hear the language of the new calling the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. In that sentence, in that sentence, summarize the movement from a too small backseat into a giant new calling. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is verse 13, they, they recognize, even if they can't necessarily understand it, they recognize a new thing. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. I love that word, astonished. It's, it's when you, you see something and you recognize that it is something huge and you don't quite know what to do. They were astonished. 
and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The story continues. They could see the man, verse 14, that was healed uh, standing before them. They, they withdraw, verse 15. They begin to talk amongst themselves, verse 16. They say, what are we going to do with these men? And you could shorten that question to apply it to so many different situations in these pages, in our own lives, and especially right now. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? These are men that recognize that a new calling has outgrown the old capacity, and yet they're not quite sure what comes next. What are we going to do? They continue. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny it. Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. They're stuck in this old capacity. To stop this thing from spreading, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They're trying to quite literally shove them into the old way, into the old capacity. Don't do this new thing, essentially they're saying. We are safe here. We are safe in this old capacity. The, the community is safe in this old capacity. You will be safe in this old capacity. But Peter and John recognize that the calling is too big for the old capacity. The cavity is too small. There's a new way forward. They tell them to stop, but Peter and John reply, verse 19, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Verse 20, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, verse 21, they let them go. And I love this next line, because it's so human. They could not decide how to punish them. They could not decide how to punish them. They don't know what to do with them. They can't decide how to punish them. They recognize something is happening. Confusion abounds. And part of the reason why they're confused is because they're stuck in this old capacity. When we get stuck in the old way, confusion abounds. To escape confusion, we step into calling. And let me be clear here and say that it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen with a, with a snap of the fingers. It, it, confusion doesn't just fall away like, like the scales from Paul's eyes. Instead, it's, it's often an arduous walk to move from the old capacity into the new calling. They could not decide how to punish them because all of the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This new thing, it doesn't happen. And I want you to hear me. This new thing does not happen without people willing to let go, to grow beyond this old capacity. And again, it doesn't mean that these folks are evil or wrong. It just means that what God is doing is bigger than what it used to be. It means that God is active, that God is calling us and even if we don't necessarily have all of the answers, it is a combination of calling 
and courage that move Peter and John. And I hope you hear this, that the same Holy Spirit that empowers Peter and John with a sense of calling and courage is the same Holy Spirit that is active here and now today in 2020. And in this moment, in this moment, we need calling. We need courage. Now, listen, I am a white man who grew up in the United States of America. So when you say courage to me, what I think of are Rambo, Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Th these people, like these huge muscles, these huge uh, muscled individuals running into battle and proclaiming for themselves glory. That, that's where my mind immediately goes to when I think of courage, the, the singular person that strives against all of the odds to win. And listen, if you know me, you know that I love, I love Tom Cruise, even though he's a little bit off. I love Tom Cruise. But the courage in scripture is ultimately bigger than that. And, and it's different than that. It's, it's different than that. It is courage defined by suffering instead of success. It is courage defined by perseverance rather than a prize. It's courage based on the presence of God rather than an individual personality. It's courage directed towards the love of community rather than personal glory. Peter and John drive the story, but the real story is the man who was healed. The real story are the people who embraced the name of Jesus. Moses drives the story. He, he drives the story in the Exodus, but ultimately the story is of the Israelites, of God rescuing the Israelites from captivity. Mary drives the story, but ultimately the story is one of God's deliverance. Courage in those people, in us. Not a, not, a selfish, not a selfish courage. Not a courage that results in me at the top of a podium with a medal around my neck. But courage grounded in the presence of God. Striving towards the calling of God. And saturated with the love of God. That's the courage in these pages. And that's the courage that moves from a small backseat into a great big calling. Courage, this courage, is the engine that drives the car. Nothing happens without courage. Nothing happens in these pages without courage. Nothing happens in our world, in our lives, without courage. Courage to take our foot off first base so we can run to second. Courage to leave behind the things that we need to leave behind, the things that were too small to run towards what God has next for us. Maya Angelou writes this, courage is the most important of all virtues. With, without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. 
You can practice any virtue erratically, but not consistently without courage. We need courage in this moment. Not the moment that we would necessarily choose, but this is the moment we have. We're in this kind of weird in-between moment where we recognize that the back seat is too small. That the capacity that we have created has become too small for the calling that God has for us. Like Peter, like John, like Mary, like Paul, like Moses, like Abraham. We may not have all of the answers, but we recognize the need to take one step, however small, towards our calling. Now, all of us are in this kind of weird moment. And so what I hope to do is frame the questions properly, recognizing that the answers might be a little bit different for each of us, recognizing that even though we exist and share together in this incredible call that God places on us as a community, that each of us as individuals also have a call, that each of us as individuals are also asking, what, what do we do now? I hope these are helpful. And this question, these questions, in this moment, what does faithfulness look like? What does it mean to be faithful to a God who, from the moment of creation, has pursued redemption and restoration. As we claim that call for ourselves, in this moment, what does faithfulness look like? In this moment, what does love do? We recognize God as an, not just an active presence, but an active love that calls us to love our neighbor, to call, to calls us to walk down the Jericho road and to not ignore the person wounded laying on the side of the road, but to go to them, to tend to them, to take care of their wounds. In this moment where you find yourself, what does love do? And finally, this one, in this moment, what does wisdom do? What does wisdom do? There are things in our lives that enhance our lives that increase our capacity to follow God, that increase our capacity to love our neighbor. And there are things that decrease our capacity to love God, that decrease our capacity to love our neighbor. And wisdom is knowing the difference. And so in this moment, the moment you find yourself in, what does wisdom do? We recognize that as a world, we are in this kind of weird in-between moment. But we also recognize that some of our friends, people who we love, are also in an in-between moment. An in-between moment that is not created by crisis, but created by normal life. For our graduating seniors, our class of 2020 graduating from high school, and our class of 2020 graduating from college. We recognize that you are stepping into one of the most unknown times in recent history. And I want you to know that even as you stand in the driveway and you look at the current capacity, 
and you sense the calling that God has for you. And you recognize that where you've been is not enough. But your calling remains. I want you to know these things. We need your courage. We need your courage to move us out of the backseat and into the calling that God has for us. We need your creativity. We need your way of looking at the world. Sometimes we uh, get so used to looking at the world in a particular way that it becomes the default way, and we assume that that default should be the default for everybody. So what we need from you is your creativity, your creativity to challenge us to think of new ways of living, to challenge us to think of new ways of living into God's call on our lives. We need your generosity. We need the type of courage from you that loves neighbor, that lifts up your neighbor rather than pushing them down for personal gain. And finally, and maybe most of all, we need your imagination. We need you to be like Peter and John, to stand before us and to proclaim not just what God is doing in your life, but what God is doing in the world around us. To put it very simply, we need you. We need you. And we're confident in you. We're confident that you have what it takes to help us and to indeed help the entire world to move beyond the constraints of the backseat and into the calling that God has for us. Before you do that, though, I want you to know this, that we're proud of you, that we love you, and that we are with you. May God be with you and may God be with us as we move beyond the cramped capacity of the backseat and into the tremendous calling that God has for us. And may each of you have courage as we do it together. Would you join me as we once again celebrate those who will be graduating this month? For all those who are graduating from high school, college, trade programs, or graduate school, we know this looks very different than you probably expected. And yet, we know uncertainty for us is not uncertainty for God. And so we call on God's care and guidance for you as you move into the future. And we honor you, your courage, your faith, as you follow God's lead. Most of all, we know that God has been at work preparing you and we want to send you with our blessing and our encouragement that you will serve boldly and courageously in the future. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks. For the individuals who are graduating this month, we thank you for their hard work and diligence, their perseverance and patience that bring them to this milestone in their lives. We have watched many of these grow up among us and we have witnessed your work in them from childhood. Now would you bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. We consecrate them in the name of Jesus to be servants of the gospel in this next phase of life, school or vo vocation that they pursue. Would you guide them in the transition from whom they have been to who they will become? 
so that by your spirit, they might be living reminders of Jesus who bring redemption to the world. We claim this in the power of the one who said, go make disciples of all nations. And so as we send these disciples into so many places, we trust that you will be with them always to the very end of the earth. Amen. Let's sing together. People come together, strangers, neighbors, our blood is one. Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come. So don't let your heart be troubled. Good. 
thank you again so much for joining us today. As I prepare to send you out, there are some exciting things to share with you. First, I want you to know that uh, we are going to do a scripture reading challenge called 40 Days of, of Hope. And uh, that'll begin June 1st. We'll be reading scriptures of hope and encouragement as yet another way for us to stay together even when we're separated. These scriptures will come out as our daily uh, readings always do through our app. And so you can get our app and be prepared to receive those readings by texting the letters BUMC app to 77977. You can also use the Broadway app to give to our mission, or you can do that through this online platform or at broadwayunited.org forward slash give. I want to let you know that the new round of growth groups will begin June 14th. I recently heard someone say that they were just planning to be a better person on the other side of all of this. And I think this is such a great way to think about it. And so be watching for more information about those growth groups that will begin and uh, will give you options to grow in your faith during this time. And now I'm excited to introduce Adam and Katie Witt to you who will be joining Broadway and will be doing so in a very unique way. And yet as we watch this Zoom interview that I recorded with them, I think you'll see that God has still been at work in them and in us. Uh, hello everyone. Uh, we are here today with Adam and Katie Witt. And we are doing something, guys, that I don't know. I know I have never done before. I'm sure you have never done before. Uh, you're going to be joining the church in a very unique way, but it is really exciting. And I would just want everybody to know that you all called me up a week or two ago and uh, wanted to talk about membership and wanted to talk about uh, the kind of community you would want to invest in. And also, you all are expecting your, your daughter here in a few weeks and the kind of community that you would want to raise your, your daughter in and uh, your family to be a part of. And as we finished that conversation, you said yes to, to that very thing. And so we are excited. Uh, it's, it shows the, the kind of steps that we can, can be taken in very unique circumstances and how God is still at work in people. And it is just a, a great honor to, to join with you in this moment, in this way today. So I will ask you these questions uh, and uh, you can respond. Do you confess Jesus Christ is your savior, trust in his grace alone for salvation and commit to following him as the primary commitment of your life? If so, say, I do. I do. I do. do you accept the freedom that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. I do. As members of Christ's holy church, will you be loyal to this local church, Broadway United Methodist, and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, say, I will. And will you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, humbly serving as a living reminder of Christ in the hope that God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven? If so, say, we will. We will. We will. That's great, guys. Let me pray with you. God, we give you thanks for these steps taken by these who are diligently seeking to follow you and take, taking steps in their lives to grow closer to you and to serve 
your world? Would you bless them? And would you bless this commitment they make in these moments? May this commitment affect the rest of their lives. And may it bless our church as we commit to them, as we do life together, as we seek to see how you are at work in the world and join you, and as we dream of, of the world that you intend through the work of your church. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this point, we would have everybody clap for you. So I imagine everybody clapping in their homes uh, as we welcome you to Broadway United Methodist Church. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, welcome Adam and Katie. And uh, if you would like to take a step toward Christ to, to uh, be baptized or to join our church, uh, you can do so through the online communication sheet on this page. Thank you again for joining us. And would you join me in the benediction that will be on the screen? As Christ burst forth from the tomb, may new life burst forth from us and show itself in acts of love and healing to a hurting world. And may the same Christ, who is the source of our new life, keep our hearts rejoicing and grant us peace this day and always. Amen. Would you sing the doxology with me? Before we go today, a couple things. We couldn't talk about courage and bravery today without taking a moment to celebrate and to remember those brave people who have, have given the ultimate sacrifice of their lives uh, in protecting us and protecting our freedom. So tomorrow is Memorial Day, and um, make sure to join us at 9 o'clock in the morning on Facebook Live. Um, Pastor Lewis is going to be on location with a really special Memorial Day prayer, so don't miss that. And as we prepare to go, we're going to leave you with one more thing, a song that some of the members of our Rhythm Youth Band have put together. And I know it's going to be a blessing to you. I know this song is going to be playing in my heart all week, and I hope that it will in yours too. So have a wonderful week. God bless.